Welcome to the Churchmount Sheepdogs podcast. In this series, I interview handlers and experts from Ireland and indeed from all over the world. And the aim of the series is to spark new ideas for training and trialing for the listener as a result of these conversations. The series is in part sponsored by Away With Dogs, a new sheepdog trial YouTube series. And you can find out more on awaywithdogs.co.uk. The last time this happened where the trials were all cancelled, nationals and internationals and everything else was back in 2000. And, and when it happened that time, I sort of got out of the habit of trialling. But I was thinking about you and I was thinking like in 97 there you were second in the Supreme and then in 99 you won it and I saw that. And then in 2000 you won it again. And then the next thing all the trials were gone. The, the whole focus and the goals and everything just changed and everything goes on hold for a year. What did you do at that time? Um... Well, back then, um, we'd started, all, uh, we were opening a, a new business. Um, we had a restaurant and uh, or a cafe uh, and demonstrations um, with uh, sheep shearing, uh, sheep dog handling, and uh, also an exhibition of uh, different breeds of sheep. Uh, but of course, we, um, we couldn't do that either for the first couple of months, you know, because it was a lockdown there, uh, in there as well. So once we were opened as a, a destination, you know, for holidaymakers, um, that, that's all I did really, you know, I was, uh, you know, had people coming and, you know, seeing the demonstrations. Yes, yes, so you were able to sort of soak yourself up with that there, put all your focus and time into that? Yes, yes, uh, I, I did. Unfortunately, it backfired. Um, really, because I was using Bob. Um, Roy was getting older, but I, I was using Bob. He was such a, a tremendous um, dog to do demonstrations. You know, I'd be sending him out on and out and explaining to people, you know, obviously starting with a younger dog and showing the young dog started and then at the end showing Bob. Yes. You know, a finished uh, product, really, and I'd send him out up onto the hill and let him fetch the, the sheep down and then drive them back up and call him off and uh, then I'd send him back again and you know I, I'd be talking about guiding dogs on the mountains um, you know open mountains that we've got all over the country and uh, you know I'd, I'd call Bob in you know I'd give him a a left-hand command. Yes. And then another right. And uh, within, like, a week, Bob had picked that up, and I didn't have to say anything, and he started to come in on his outturns, you know? Yes. So that was a big, big, massive mistake on my part. Well, that's the thing I was going to ask you about there. I didn't realise you were doing demonstrations with Bob, but I have a few friends that do demonstrations, and I was sort of of the opinion that if you had a good dog, you wouldn't take him to the demonstrations because you pick up all habits or you could ruin him. And, exactly. And, and, and so you... Uh, well, what's your opinion on that? I suppose you have yeah, to use um, Well, the, um, the, uh, the greatest guy for demonstrations uh, would have been Marion Jones... Um, push glass. Yes. Um, of course, there are others as well, really good ones. But um, Marion Jones won the Supreme in 1959, 
and again in 1988. Um, and he was using um, those dogs for demonstrations. Yes. Um, he, he actually had eight dogs, but um, most of them were just uh, uh, um, weaker dogs. They just lay down and they just stay there while the other couple of dogs would be doing most of the work, you know, but he could put these others in, in place. But I remember Miriam saying the same, you know, um, unfortunately, um, Miriam uh, uh, passed away in 1996. Uh, before then, you know, you were saying, uh, it's um, it's a good money spinner, um, but it doesn't help my dogs. Yes. Yes. And that thing you're talking about now, what did you do with Bob when he started to second guess you a little bit and started to shortcut things like that? How did you go about fixing that? <laughs> I I didn't really. Um, you know, obviously um, the demonstrations kept on going until October. Uh, so the following year, um, it was back to um, um, normality in trials. And I did find that uh, Bob would... Uh, anticipate, on, especially on second utterance. Yes. But, you know, it was something that was engraved in him, um, unfortunately. There's just a thing that's coming into my head when you're talking about it. If if I have a dog and he's not a particularly good outrunner, the opposite of what you're doing in the demonstrations, if I just spend my time making him outrun and making him keep out to the hedge a lot there, you know, say I have to do it for the next six or nine months, can you put an outrun into a dog that maybe isn't that natural about it? Yes, you can. It takes, you know, what what we're all looking for is a dog that's got those natural uh, things in them, you know, good outsider, uh, good on the flanks, good power, and everything else. But, um, of course, you know, those dogs are very, very scarce, so you've got to help help them along, you know, teaching the outturns, you know, training over and over and over, and, uh, you know, getting them to, you know, to, to go to the hedge or the fence, on outruns and uh, to, you know, teach them to be up on their feet, you know, uh, for a weaker dog, you know, um, training them to be up on their feet and uh, uh, helping them to come onto the sheep and that sort of thing. Lots of work. Yes. Um, but, you, yes, you can do it. Yes, yeah, so the impression I get, and it's kind of the way I look at dogs, is that that they all have some bits of weaknesses or whatever, and so you have to compensate somewhere. Maybe it's on an outrun, or maybe you have to open out a tight dog. But you you don't mind taking a dog if once the overall picture is right for you. You don't mind straightening out a few things like. No, no, I don't. It's got to be done, and um, you know, like um, you'll you'll find the weaknesses uh, when you're uh, when you've got the your dogs uh, out on on work every day. You know, that's where I'm lucky. You know, I've got 450 sheep now, and you know, I use these dogs uh, on those, um, you know, to do work yes. every day. And you know, obviously, there isn't a perfect dog, and uh, you can see weaknesses in things. And you know, of course, you go and help. Yes. And uh, so I, I'm really lucky in that uh, um, that I've got work for them. You know, daily work. Yes, you can see some of those things changing too, probably as you go along in the training. Yes, and, yeah. And there, yeah. that thing that you mentioned with, with Bob, when when I'm out in sort of a situation like that on the hill or on a course, maybe a big course or something, and the dog is going too wide, 
I probably, probably, uh, of two sort of commands. One is probably half of a call-up whistle, a little shot at that to give him a little pull-in, or the other one could be a bit of a walk-on whistle. But did I hear yeah. you saying that you give him a, 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 the opposite flank to pull him in? I did with Bob. Yes. <clears throat> um, but uh, I haven't uh, since, you know, because I, I've been too scared to do it. Well, if if you want to pull a dog in that's going out, what's sort of your preferred way? Or if you're on the hill or you're schooling at home and the dog is a little bit wide, what do you do with a pull in? Or I know some people don't. It's really just the battle do whistle, so, you know. Yes. You know, you just you just call him back in a way, and then uh, you know it'll be a half one, I suppose. And then once the dog has looked in or, or, or pulled in, just giving uh, give him a a half right command or have left command whichever way you're sending out yes you know so you're just touching touching the uh the, the that'll do command and then touching the either right or left ah that's that sounds cool so when you say touching that that'll do command it's just to kind of get him to look in or let him turn his head in a bit yes yes just it's part of training yeah you know you can train them uh, um and by having these dogs work uh, daily, uh, this time of the year, lambing time, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's the best time to do that sort of thing. You know, yes. You go into into a field and you've got a, a few sheep that you want to split off from the others. You send your dog out, and of course, dogs going out around them all, and you call them in. So then suddenly he realizes that that whistle becomes a come in, like a a come in command us, uh, uh, for shedding. Yes. And, uh, yeah, that's the way I, uh, that's the way the old guys used to do it. And, uh, that's the way most people do it, I suppose. Yes. It's funny, I don't have much lambing now. I've only a little uh, flock yeah. of play sheep. But I, I used to love lambing for training dogs because a lot of it, so much of it is that hand and you can't be saying, please, either you need to get the job done and all. But like you said, I had to catch one this morning and if you don't want to gather up the whole place, you've got to give them a little pull in, and as you say, soon they figure out then what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, uh, they'll pick that up very, very quickly. Yeah. I was driving there this morning, and I heard this fellow on the radio, and he was an Olympic swimmer, an Irish Olympic swimmer, and he was in Rio the last time or whatever, and so obviously he was gearing up for this 2021. But now the, pull, the, the plug got pulled on that as well. So now he has to refocus. Does he want to go to next year? He's getting a little bit older and she had everything geared up for this year. But I heard him saying that, he said, it's easy to go through the motions and go out every day and do, you know, do the stuff. He said, but he said, trying to get me, trying to have my mentality in the right place and, and keep me thinking right, you know, to stay focused on the goal and all. Uh, he said, that's, that's a different thing, he said, and, and that's what it all comes down to. But, uh, and so I was thinking of you again then, I was thinking, so in 2000 you had that, or 2001 you had the break with the foot and mouth and obviously you were getting your business going at least you had that to focus on but how did you get your head back around to like you were after winning 99 and 2000 and and then to come back and win the, the world trial in 2002 how did you get your head around to that or are you just I just find that I kind of switch off a little bit and all does that happen to you or do you just switch back on or um, no I didn't I'm um... I remember going to New Zealand when I was like 18, 19 years old, and I just started. Um, well, obviously I was interested in dogs um, from from a kid, and um, I remember, you know, I'd be 
um, on on a big station and staying there, you know. And, you know, after sharing in a shower and maybe a couple of drinks, then I'd walk up to these bigger fields and I'd be thinking, gosh, I'd <laughs> love to have Jess here with me. You know, and I was so focused and I was thinking, God, you know, I was always focused on dogs. Yes. And I'm the same now, you know, I'm, uh, you know, so keen about it, you know. Yes. Um, so I'm, I suppose I'm, I don't know if I'm different to anybody else, but that's how I, I am. I, I don't switch off. Yes. I, yes. And you can't switch off in work either, you know, there's lots of people. Um, you know, the people will, will call and ask, have you got a, a farm dog for sale? I don't want any of these fancy dogs. You know, I want a dog that can do work. Well, all my dogs are dogs that can do work. You yes. know, they're not fancy, <laughs> but we make them a little bit fancier for, uh, for the trials, you know. So when I'm working, I make sure that the correct pace is there. You know, when you're moving using lambs, you don't want a dog to come too quick. Yes. And definitely you don't want a dog that will stand back, you know. So you're working, I'm still working, still trying to perfect my technique as well, you know. Yes. And then you find a lot of variation between different dogs. I know Bob is a sort of a different style, but maybe a lot of them are your own dogs and you find a lot in common. But do you find it? I just see I have three or four dogs at the moment and I like them all, but they're all they have different ways of working. Like, or do you are you inclined to go for a certain type? certain way of working no no um all these dogs you know over the years now i've been handling dogs and uh, uh training and uh, from right from the beginning 1975 when i my father bought that um the first female jess for me you know all my dogs go back to her um and i've used dogs that i've liked dogs that are, are proven um uh, trialists, but more than anything else, dogs that are proven to be able to do the job, you know? Yes. Um, I've uh, used a dog here that hadn't uh, in the last couple of years. Um, he's the father of Merck. Um, and he was a dog called Kamen Don with Frank Roberts. Um, he didn't win that much, but every time I saw him, there was something about that dog. Yes. You know, he'd be called off, he'd be good. He'd get off a few times. But, you know, there was something special in that dog. And, you know, I've always looked to see it, you know, further than just winning. Yes. I, I, you know, I, I, I try to look a little bit further to see what their, you know, strengths are. Yes. And if they have any weaknesses. So, uh, yes, um, you know, I make sure that they've, they've got that power and speed and intelligence, you know? Yes. And that's interesting what you say now. So it's like you said with the dog that Frank Roberts had, while he mightn't have been winning and he mightn't have been in everybody's, catching everybody's eye. Like, like, what was it, the kind of things that you got a bit excited about and said, I'm going to use that dog on something? Um, yes. Um, you know, Don, Don was a good outsider um, and nice pace, you know, good pace. And what I mean by pace, it isn't a one speed. You know, pace means, you know, from one gear up to five gears, and that's walking, yes. you know, slower, quicker, quicker still, 
so on. And, and, and the doctor can stretch his legs and, and move, and move, uh, you know, nicer and nerve and that sort of thing. Uh, agile and uh, confirmation wise, they've got to be spot on as well, you know. Good lungs on them, um, good stamina, and, you know, it all adds up. Yes, it's funny. I, I always picture Cap there as having a kind of a, a, a funny or elongated gait. Like it's like he sort of stretches out sometimes there when yes. he's driving. Yeah. Yes. And there's the thing. Another thing. Now I'll have you on the phone. I hear fellas talking about pace and all. Oh, this dog has lovely pace and that dog has great pace or whatever. But do 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 dogs always come kind of with a natural pace? Or I, I assume that a lot of the time it was put in by the trainer to manage like. Um, no, um, there are some, you know, like, uh, they've only got two gears, yes. uh, slow and a little bit quicker than slow, uh, you know, and I don't like them. And, you know, the next step for them is a trot. Yes. Um, I don't like that. Um, but these dogs, you know, I, I, as I say, I've been trying to pick dogs as studs, as a stud dog uh, for my own bitches, you know, with that type of um okay it's you know like quick and slow yes oh that that's interesting now that's something to think about i i i just have a dog there at the moment aside from everything i have a dog at the moment and he's um he just he, he always just walks a bit faster than the sheep and i'm always finding i'm trying to screw him down and trying to haul him down is he is he lacking a bit of feel i wonder alad or or can i can i get those gears down in him now he's probably two um, and a half now like um, what I find, uh, Paddy, is um, if they come up, you know, you've got to imagine that the whole sheep are inside the bubble. And that's the easiest way for me to explain when I go on, you know, uh, doing clinics all over the world. You know, I tell people, just imagine this bubble around these sheep. Yes. And when a dog comes up to that bubble, you want to keep them on that. So what dogs tend to do, you can... And if you've got a, a dog that is very, has got that quick walk, then as soon as he comes to that bubble, you stop him. Yes. And then, you know, obviously the sheep will come off him. You ask him on again. And as soon as he comes up to that bubble, you stop him. So eventually that dog will start realizing I'm getting stopped when I come to this position. So, you know, automatically you train the dog to feel the sheep. Yes, you know, I, I think I think I asked you about this last year in Bodfari. Did you have that sort of a situation with Cap when you were training him, where you had to kind of tell him where the edge of the bubble was for a while at the start? Yes, yes, yeah, I did. Um, and you know, most of the better dogs, most of the have got that. You know, some might call it a fault. I don't. You know, yes. I I I think it's a good. Um, good points to have, you know, a dog that will, has got that ability to come up right up to the sheep. Yes. But, you know, train him not to. Yes, train him to have a little bit more respect for the edge of that bubble. That's line. it, yes. 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 Yeah. Well, I often wonder, what was it like to win in 98, or 99 and 2000, and then to come back after the gap and win the world trial in 2002? Like... <laughs> I was thinking to myself, if, if if I did something like that, I'd have to start managing myself or I'd start thinking I was God or something and that there was nothing I couldn't win. Like, uh, What did it feel like after after putting the world trial in your pocket along with the other two Supremes? 
<laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, it was a great feeling, wasn't it? You know, and um, it's um, it's something that um, you know that I've always dreamt about. You know, when I was you know like in the seventies, eighties, obviously there was no talk of a world championship. Um, you know, everybody wanted to win the supreme over here in the in uh, Ireland and the United Kingdom, and um, you know. But eventually, when the world trial came, you know, it was a dream come true, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. There was a, an article, and it's here somewhere. Um, it was after I won the Welsh National in 1985, and I had my leg pulled quite a lot yes. at that time. Um, um, it was an, um, an article in the Daily Post, the North Wales Daily Post. <clears throat> and it was a good article, but at the end, um, I can't remember where it was now, but it said something that Alred is training um, his dogs to become world champions. And, you know, obviously, <laughs> I didn't say that. Yes. Um, because there wasn't a world championship. Yes. Um, and I remember going to the trials, the following few trials, and um, people were pulling my leg about it, you know. But I never said it. But it was the in, uh, interviewee that's yes. oh, that's down, you know. But yes. yeah, it was, it was a dream come true. <laughs> it was nice for it to materialise a few years later. You didn't yes. have to be embarrassed about it then. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. And then, uh, like, uh, I know Cap is getting on a bit with you, and then. Like I'd imagine this year now he'd have been really you'd have been in a great position with him. But what does it mean now having this gap for him next year? Oh, I've um, always retired my dogs at nine years old. You know. Yes. <laughs> Before they come to the double figures, unfortunately, Cap will be done next year. Yes. But Cap is a very very young nine year old now. Yes. Um, he's got all the energy that he'd want anyway. Um, so hopefully, um, he'll be there next year. Um, if we can get over this, um, dreadful, uh, uh, virus that's going around. Yes, yes. And of course, we're just talking about dogs and, and things are very serious at the moment. And hopefully, hopefully we'll be out playing with dogs next spring and everything will be good. But, um, the, the, that, that's the thing I've never had a dog that old you know eight or nine or anything and mm. how do you manage them do you have to do do you have to work on fitness or if you leave them parked up for a while do they come undone or, or what? how do you look after older dogs to keep them finely tuned for uh, I haven't got a regime like that you know like I, I just work them and um, I, I live you wouldn't say that it's a very hilly here but it's um you know, from the yard um, here, which is about 750 feet, we go up to about 1,800 feet at the top there. Um, within, like, a kilometer. And, of course, that's, you know, send them up there a few times. Yes. Uh, and that's the type of thing. You know, I, I don't, um, you know, let them run after me. I never have the dogs run after me on a quad bike or a, or a push bike or whatever. Yes. And I've never done that. 
and I'm not allowed to start either, I don't think. Um, but, you know, it's very important, um, you know, going back to this um, athlete of a dog, you know, that's what I'm looking for. And if you've got that type of dog, you know, good, good lungs, good chest, good head, and good straight legs and strong in the back quarters, um, you're halfway there. I've seen lots of dogs when they're six, seven years old, they're finished. Yes. You know, and uh, because the uh, those qualities uh, are not there. Yeah. Yeah, and you'd like, you know, when you're going to be putting in that amount of time and training and all, you'd like to be kind of having a full steam dog for as long as you could because it's yes. a big investment that you make in school and yes. fine-tuning them for it, like. Um, um, that, that, that's my belief. Anyway, you know, everybody's different, um, and um, as I said earlier, you know, I'm lucky. I've got the work for my dogs. And uh, possibly these dogs uh, take a little bit more handling in the beginning, a little bit more pushy, uh, quicker um, than you, you'd want, you know. Yes. But at the end of the day, it's a dog that will last up to those, you know, to that 10th year that we're looking for, or I'm looking for anyway. Yes, yes. Just, I, I'll get, let you get off your lunch there, but just before you go, you know, uh, and I'm sure plans have changed a lot this year with clinics and all that kind of stuff, but there must be a few things that you see, uh, you know, more novice people, uh, kind of mistakes that you find in clinics. What are a couple of common things or one common thing that, that people can work on that, that you find recurring in clinics? or Is there anything like that? <laughs> um, dogs that won't stop. Oh. Uh, yes, and it doesn't matter what sort of dog it is. Um, uh, I've seen, uh, yes, there are strong dogs, but there are also not dogs that are not as strong that won't stop. Yes. And um, uh, unfortunately, that's uh, <laughs> and uh, I get my pull, uh, uh, leg, I get my leg pulled a lot. You know uh, that I'm going over. Uh, to different countries, thousands of miles away, to teach <laughs> a dog to stop. Yes. You know, but, um, yes, that, that's the main complaint. And, of course, tightness in the dog as well, um, which um, goes back to not stopping. Yes. Dogs will go out on the outer and, and they won't stop and they start coming in and they'll get tighter and tighter and tighter. Yes. Funny, uh, I, I often have said in the past Alan, that oh I don't worry about a stop I get a stop and I want one I want them to go um, but I say that but I don't actually mean that because the kind of work I'm doing there now where you know there when you want to catch a yo or you want to shed off a few or whatever yeah. well if a dog yeah. doesn't stop sure he puts a world of work back on top of you and mm. and he messes it up now you have to do it again or you know there's just or, or loading a trailer with a dog that just you oversteps something and you mess it up and now you start again so I realised that while well, I used to say I want a dog to go and all, of course I do, but the stop is just as important to me as it is to everybody. And and like you said, the consequences are just too big when you have a dog that doesn't stop. If it's tightening on his outrun or he's, he's mm. screwing up some job you're doing, it's not funny then. Like No, uh, no. I had a, a good example this morning, uh, bringing in um, uh, all my uh, uh, single use, uh, you know, obviously I scanned the sheep earlier on, and the single lambs, uh, single sheep, are outside. Yes. And uh, the lambs are getting bigger now. You know, so we've got to help these ewes at lambing. 
and I was bringing a, a sheep into the shed, and I had one, one of my younger dogs there, and he's a good dog, but I, I got into trouble because his stop wasn't right. Yes. And that sheep just turned on him, and then, of course, I had to turn him away, keep the pressure off, yes. and again, it's that bubble again, you see. But because he wasn't stopping properly, he was just taking the attention of that sheep. Yes. Yeah, and what do you mean? He was just stepping inside a little bit, and then she decided, oh, I'm going to fight now instead of taking yeah. on. Yes. Yeah, and you're only talking maybe uh, one foot, yes. two feet at, at most. Yes. And that was enough. Um, well, listen, thanks very much for talking to me today, and I won't take up any more of your time, but thanks very much for that, because uh, I was very curious about those things. So thanks for listening. I hope this interview has sparked some new ideas for you. If you want to support Churchmen and to learn more about us and how we train dogs, you can become a Patreon subscriber over at our website at churchmansheepdogs.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at Churchman Sheepdogs.